This is Headshots, the psychology and gaming podcast with your hosts, Josue Cardona, an engineer-turned-mental-health and ed-tech guru, and psychologist and game scholar, Dr. Kelly Dunlap. Today, we're going to talk about something called transmedia storytelling. Before describing it, I want to I want to give an example because I think that the that the Star Wars franchise is probably the most like I consider it a transmedia franchise. I don't consider it like I do other franchises. When when Rogue One uh, came out, at the end I was disappointed not because the movie because I didn't like the movie, but because the characters that I had met and had grown throughout the story were no longer available for for further stories. <laughs> and to me, that was weird coming from a Star Wars movie because to me, the Star Wars movies are these big events and from them, you get all of these other stories that can, that can come up. And technically, Rogue One is one of those side stories from another movie. But it kind of, it, it really, I've been thinking since that movie came out about how big of a of a, like, how intertwined uh, everything that is related to Star Wars is for me, how I don't see the events of, of one piece isolated. I see the movies and the TV shows and the video games as one huge thing. And just recently, the the new uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 trailer came out, and it showed that there is a story, a very, very interesting story that I'd never thought about um, from that perspective, from the Empire's perspective. Uh, and then there was a book announced that was supposed to be kind of a follow-up to Rogue One. But then when the Star Wars Battlefront 2 trailer came out, it was announced that it was now going to be called Star Wars Battlefront 2 colon something else. And it was also a tie into the game. And I love this kind of stuff. I just love <laughs> this type of thing in all of my franchises. And I want more transmedia stuff. So... So that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> uh, I, I do think, though, you, you missed the opportunity to say a transmedia empire, since we're talking about Star Wars. Good job. Thank you. I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, but yeah, this this idea that uh, Star Wars is really interesting and in that it kind of has proliferated so so much of, of the media landscape. So, you know, there's the expanded universe, which is all of the books and... You know, whether it's canon or not, that that's a completely different podcast. Um, you know, there's there's animated series, there's obviously the movies, there's comic books and and coloring books and pretty much anything that I don't think there's a podcast. I mean I'm sure there's people that do podcasts about Star Wars, but I don't think there's like a Star Wars podcast per se that Like you know, a story, you, like there is for like Halo. A story. For yeah, exactly. So but yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty much hitting all all the different aspects, and there's it's so rare that you see something like that happen. I mean, you you brought up Halo, which is definitely my go-to because obviously there's the video games, and there's been some brief movies, and there are comics, and there are books, and they actually did do a podcast. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of um, different areas that you c- different types of media that you can consume Halo. But I think Star Wars might be uh, might be the biggest, and yeah, but it it, it um, creates this kind of culture a- around 
something that started out as, as so as so simple. I, I don't know if you ever uh, saw the behind the scenes stuff for uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, and you know the directors and George and George Lucas talking about how he was pitching this and nobody believed him and nobody thought it was going to be effective. And honestly, one of the biggest concerns was that the Wookiee had no pants. And, you know, mm-hmm. that it became this huge, huge phenomenon and it has continued to be a, a huge phenomenon with a, a resurface here in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years or so. And so it's it's interesting to think about what makes something so ripe to to cover all those kinds of, of media access points. The, the, the question on my mind is, do other people see some of the fran- these franchises the way I do? Because just because that information is available doesn't mean that everybody gets to experience it. It's a lot like a video game comes out and then there's DLC and now your user base and your player base is fragmented. Because unless the, the DLC is free and unless all the people who played at the beginning are always play, playing at the end, um, you're experiencing different parts of it. And they're all part of this whole. And in video games, it's very Simple, you know, there, there's a video game and there's maybe extra content, but it's also part of the video game. And some of it is like also video games are interesting because video games are the only ones where that's gated to a point, right? You can't, like, you may have to beat something and able to access this extra content. And in other media, it's not like that. And, and I don't know, I just see like Halo is, a, is, is definitely a franchise that I see as. A, a transmedia empire. <laughs> I think about, okay, oh, there's a new book coming, there's something else. And the podcast you mentioned, they're audio dramas. They're not, uh, it's not like a news show, right? It's actually story within that world. I Love Bees um, had this whole community component, right? Where people were doing all these things around the world to uncover what was, uh, you know, what, what the alternative uh, reality game was doing. But really, I just cared about the story. I couldn't wait till the next chapter in the audio drama came out because I just wanted to know more. I wanted to know what was going on in, in every nook and cranny of that world. And so, and so I see those franchises that way. Just to clarify, I Love Bees, in case anybody doesn't know, I Love Bees was part of a promotion for Halo 2. It was an alternate reality game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to go into specifics, it was, uh, you know, there were these phone booths all around the world uh, and these phone numbers and people, there was a website and there were these numbers and you had to find a phone booth and call a number and you got a location and that was a thing and it was really complicated. And then you kept, uh, the, the whole community was unlocking these clips that were part of a larger audio drama. And I love that stuff. Again, not for not necessarily for the community interaction, which is probably a whole other podcast, but the idea of more story. I want more story. And I, you know, like I think about how many people, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a funny example. Power Rangers just came out. Did you, did you get to see it? No, my oh. significant other has still not agreed to go with me. I'm so sorry. Yeah, but, I might, I might ditch him. <laughs> it's never too late. And there's a second, there's a, there's a sequel comic book, right? So I don't know how many people would go out and buy the sequel comic book to the movie right after they saw it, but I did because I, uh, oh, there's more story. I want more story, you know? And, and so I didn't think of that movie going in, oh, you know, there's going to be all sorts of other media with it, but, but I can't separate that from Star Wars. And even like, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan and that is like, they're probably the most consistent in that every single month there's a new audio drama in that universe that comes out. So they're really filling out, like, you know, we have new actors playing the, the doctor on TV, but the old actors are still doing audio dramas. And so there's all this content that's constantly being fleshed out in that world for the people who, 
who want it. And so I'm just I'm just curious if you have any any thoughts on how that's influential to not only the community, the the culture that grows around it, the the players. What what is what does that mean to you? Like, is your experience similar to mine? Am I the only one? Well, again, I'll, I'll reference Halo. I up until about two years ago, I'd read all the books. I listened to the audio drama podcast. Like, I knew the lore. And then the story kind of took a turn that I wasn't, I thought was not the coolest. So I kind of fell off in terms of the, the external things. But, you know, there, when a game creator or, or in Star Wars case, a film creator creates a universe that is so interesting and there's so much possibility in that space, I think we can't help but want to explore it. So uh, one of my favorite books in the Halo franchise was called Evolutions, and it was a collection of short stories. So you got to basically see the human covenant war from the the perspectives of, well, a lot of different people, you know, whether a, a human or a marine or uh, a, grunt, a grunt, which is one of the kind of the minor minion-y type uh, of the covenant of the alien species. And so you really got to see all these different perspectives and it makes this really rich, complicated tapestry of a universe that, that makes it feel alive. And I think that's what draws people in is that it's something that it feels like it could be real because of the complexity. Do you think that that extra stuff makes the original better or does it make the ongoing experience better? I think it can. Um, but it's it's a really fine line to walk. I, I know when Halo 5, Halo 4? Mm, I think it was Halo 4. Um, they did a lot of uh, ramp up to the release of Halo 4. And I remember playing through with my husband who hasn't read any of the of the books. And he had the hardest time figuring out what was going on. You know, hey, last he knew we were friends with the Covenant. Why are we fighting them in the first level? And so it was just kind of this disconnect that if you didn't consume all of the extracurricular material, you were really lost at, at the core. And so I definitely think that the Halo franchise suffered from that. Whereas I think Star Wars has done it really well because I haven't read any of the expanded universe books but I've never gone to a Star Wars film and felt lost or confused, you know? So I, I think it's a, it's difficult. It can enrich the experience, but you have to make sure that the extra content isn't critical to the, to the main, quote unquote, main experience, whatever, whatever that may be. Like yeah. I, for, for Star Wars to see the next one, I shouldn't have had to play the, um, the video game. Like that doesn't. Or read the aftermath trilogy of novels. <laughs> to understand episode seven, something like that. That's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I think it's great. Like if you want to go out and voraciously consume that kind of, of stuff, that's great. And it's so wonderful that it's out there, but you have to keep whatever your main content is uh, on on straight. And I think a lot of times people fall prey to cognitive, cognitive biases in this area thinking, well, everybody's going to go see this or everybody already knows that. And you can't, you can't just assume that you, everything kind of has to stand on its own um, while still intertwining with the rest of the franchise, which is a really difficult task. Yeah. And, and here I think it's a, it's a good place to mention that I know that transmedia is a dirty word for some people. It's like gamification. It's like, oh, like, you know, people ruined it. You don't know exactly what it means. It can mean many different things. I know that. Just want to put that out there. 
because now we're talking about kind of good examples and bad examples. Like um, Overwatch, for example, has very little story told within, like there's no uh, cutscenes, for example, really. But there are these videos online that kind of give you an introduction to each character and tell you their story. There's a lot of dialogue between the characters. So depending on who's playing a match at the same time, there you can get story bits from the way that the characters speak to each other. And then there's comic books. And so I wonder how many people enjoy the comic books on their own without the 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 game you know some things just don't stand on their own some require this other piece so i mean you know wh- what you're saying is kind of like well you have to identify a main part so in star wars that would be the movies you don't need other things to understand the movies but maybe you do need the movies to understand some of the other standalone content not all of it but some of it because otherwise i think you're right there's a fine line between it not making sense and it being fan service because fan service is that thing where it's like you know, for you guys who are, you know, all of you who are really hardcore, this one's for you. And there's a little little something. Like uh, to use a, a Rogue One as an example, there is there are three mentions of characters or two mentions. There's, you see one character, you hear the mention of another character, and you see the ship of the characters from the animated series Star Wars Rebels. And if you've never seen it, those things don't mean anything, and it doesn't ruin the experience. But if you know... Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely how I feel about fan services. I, I like when there's subtle winks because I have played games and seen movies where the fan service is obvious. And if I'm an outsider, I don't get it. Uh, and that can detract from my enjoyment because then I feel like I'm stupid, like I like I missed something. Or, But then it's totally fine. I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy had... Some, wasn't there a rabbit or something at some point that was like a some duck. old the duck thank you it's some old school <laughs> Howard I, the Duck I thought that was really weird I had no idea I'm like what there's a random duck here but you know there's also blue and green aliens running around so I didn't think too much of it and then afterwards I learned Howard the Duck and, and whatnot so that's a good example of a of a huge what the fuck <laughs> you're like what, wait if you're at the end you have no idea who that is what it is you're like I I stayed till the end of the credits for this <laughs> I believe you mean what the duck you're on fire today Kelly you are on el fire fuego, el fuego. <laughs> um, but yeah so I, I think it's all about finding that kind of balance and that's where I think the kind of the psychology part of this really comes into play is how do you figure out what what is the core, what is the most important to people, and how do you convince them that consuming, like doing the work to go and read an expanded universe book or listen to the podcast, you know, wh- where is that line where you where you push them actually away from the main content to go pursue and put their energy into subsidiary content? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how, like, again, Star Wars as an example, when the first movie came out, it was A New Hope. It wasn't episode four, you know? And -hmm. then later on before uh, Empire, there was, there was, they changed it to episode four. Now it's a franchise. Now it's a bigger thing. And at what point did, I I don't know if this is part of the problem um, or or the reason why the extended universe in Star Wars was eliminated. And it may be because people just went crazy with the story. You know, they went, you just start giving everybody permission to write a story. It's like, you read a Star Wars story and you read a Star Wars story. And then you start filling out this universe. And at some point, that has to be so hard to manage. 
it's got to be it's got to be almost impossible. I know Marvel is trying to do that right now. Star Wars is trying to do it. Like they're thinking about it in this way from the beginning. And you know, I can imagine these these top secret meetings that they have in a bunker somewhere where there are all these things that are laid out for the next 10 years and how there are certain things that you can talk about and certain things you can't and probably to avoid you know what what happened in the past. I can't imagine how you choose you know, I don't think you can actually choose ahead of time because sometimes things just resonate with the audience and, and maybe that's what they want more of or a character that stood out that you didn't expect was going to be so great and then maybe they get a spinoff or they get a, a their own comic book series for a little while. And I think it's, a, it's, it's playing, right? You're playing with all these ideas, but they're, the universe is rich enough where you can – visit them in in different ways. Yeah, it's kind of like setting up the there's a main trajectory and then you can make side quests that enrich and develop the world but don't necessarily have uh, an impact on uh, or a direct impact on on the the main narrative you're telling. So my favorite example of course would be Skyrim where if you follow the main quest, you know, you've got to choose whether you're an imperial or a um oh my gosh, my brain just blanked. Not a turn cloak. <laughs> why, why, why am I thinking storm cloak? There we go. Uh, you know, whether you're you're an imperial or a storm cloak, and you know you can follow that main story, and your decisions matter. Or you could run off and make potions, and that's a totally valid way to experience the Skyrim realm. And you're going to meet characters that exist in in the main quest, but it doesn't necessarily impact. Well, in that case, it does not impact at all what happens. The the narrative that's laid out. In the main quest. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of transmedia is that you're going across different formats. So, you know, once you decide that you're going to make a comic book, how many people just don't read comic books? Or how many people, like, I won't read a novel, but I will I will listen to an audio drama. I mean, I'll listen to the audiobook of it. And so if there isn't also an audiobook, then I'm probably not going to read that book. And so you're, I think you're, it's weird. Like, are you expecting everybody to follow along, you know, through every single format? There's a mobile game, and there's a PC game, and there's this. Like, every time you choose a format, you're automatically possibly isolating or, or fragmenting your audience by excluding, possibly excluding the people who consumed it in the first place. Yeah, and I, I think that's when you're when you're developing for multiple mediums, you have to just be really aware that not everybody is going to access this content, and so you you just need to be very mindful. I guess is the word I want to use. That on one hand, yeah, you might be alienating a, a certain audience or or leaving a certain audience out, like those who don't want to read a novel. But on the other hand, you might be engaging a either a different audience or a different part of your audience through that. And I, I think that's why we see so much uh, of different media types being engaged, you know, the movies and the TV shows and the comic books and the radio dramas and the, you know, interpretive dances and all that kind of stuff is that it's maximizing the kind of reach that would draw somebody back to the main event. So the first time that I, I experienced this at all, and it blew my mind, and I know that it's probably the reason why The Matrix is my, my favorite movie. Um, it's because of, of exactly what we're talking about. Not only was there a movie, but then when the sequels came out, there was a video game. The video game tied directly into the movie. I played a scene in the game leading up to the movie, and I saw the end result of that in the movie. 
it, it, if you just watch oh, the cool. movie, the events are happening off screen. But I got to play them and see uh, actually movie, like a film, uh, you know, actual something scenes that were actually filmed for the game. And it felt like I felt I knew that uh, the people who were with me, no one else had had that experience. And for me, it was so, so rich. And there was the Animatrix and there was the... And then after that, I mean, I played my first MMO ever, which was the Matrix Online, because I wanted more of that world. And in that case, the Matrix Online was also a canonical uh, continuation of the movie in Revolutions. So, like, to me, that all of that was always just so, so such a great experience. Like, I have such great memories of that. And, and to me, it was all, it was all good, you know, it was like, because it was more. Mm-hmm. And I think something important to point out is what you're describing is something that is really unique to to games, to to the gameness of a of a game. You know, because you can read a book and you you do get some experience of that of that other world, and you do get more information, and the world becomes more fleshed out. But like you said, when you play a game, it's you who are doing the actions, and I. It feels like you get to have some kind of buy-in, that you have some kind of influence on this franchise that is so important or so exciting to you. And I, I think that's one way that in this transmedia place that games are just going to be different from every other form out there is that you actively engage. And there's, I can't remember who said it, but, um, you know, video games are the only medium where when you talk about them, you say, I did this. You know, when you read a book, you know, the main character did that. When you listen to the audio drama, you know, those characters did this thing. But when you play a game, it's, I did this. You know, I was a Sith Lord, or I killed Revan, or I, you know, you take ownership and you become part of the universe as opposed to just kind of a passive um, recipient of that information. You, you live that part of it. And this is why I'm so excited about Battlefront 2, because the story that's being told, you see in the trailer that you are a, a an empire soldier. <laughs> and you see... Sorry, go ahead. No, no. You can you can go all the way to the end. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so you're an Imperial soldier, and you're you're on Endor at the end of Return of the Jedi, and you see the second Death Star explode, and you're playing as that character from the Empire side. I've never uh, played like so. That's a story that we know, but I've never I never even imagined it from that perspective. And this particular character, now we know that she grew up on a on an on an Imperial utopia. So we're going to get to see a planet that's part of the Empire and likes being part of the Empire. I, my mind never really went there. I don't know if other novels in the past have done that, but this is really exciting for me because, like you just said, I'm not only going to read about that story, I'm going to play that story. I want to be that person. I'm going to shoot rebel soldiers, I hope, for a cause that I, that I believe is worth fighting for, right? Because... That is the perspective of this particular character. And that, that's really unique. Like, I, I cannot wait to play that story. And, and like you said, I keep saying, play that story. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to play from that perspective. And it's going to be really, really interesting. And I think it's going to, going to be a richer experience because of my other experiences related to Star Wars. 
but only in a video game can you have an experience where you where you where you play and now now I get to play something completely separate, right? We never have movies that are from the perspective of the Empire. And although in games like KOTOR, you could play as a Sith, you know, and in some, you know, you can be Darth Vader's apprentice, but you're not really, there isn't like this, I mean, we're going to play the equivalent of a, of a Rebel Alliance soldier, but on the Empire side, you know, with the same type of beliefs, just opposite. That, that, that's incredible to me. Well, I'm I'm excited that you're excited. Uh, I will hopefully have some time to play, but I I doubt that, which makes me really sad. But there there is something very special about the Star Wars video game franchise that tends to be kind of unique in that their video games don't always suck. <laughs> and I I say that in the, the I try in the nicest way possible, but oftentimes when there's a movie and then they make a video game about it, it's terrible. The same way that a lot of times when there's a really cool video game and then they make a movie about it, the movie's terrible. And I think that emphasizes that even though the story might be the same there or, you know, the special effects or whatever, the affordances of these different genres is what can make or break the experience. So, you know, Tomb Raider, really, really popular video game. The maybe, arguably, one of the more successful video game movie adaptations I yeah, guess, if, yeah, you, if you want to be generous. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can think of some really... <laughs> like the Mario Brothers. I'm sorry. I'm probably going to get hate mail for this. But like the live action Mario Brothers. Oh, oh God, that hurt. But also those aren't... So th- those particular examples aren't extensions of the franchise. They're reinterpretations. Horrible reinterpretations, right? But they're not... Uh, they're, they're just like a different version of it, right? They're not part of the same universe the way that Star Wars is now or the way that Halo is. You know, there's never there's never a Halo book that's non-canonical, right? It's like, oh, well, this other game, like, it's not, it's an alternate reality. It's not really part well, the, of the story. The the movies that came out of Halo were not, if any of my Halo fam is on, I'm sorry. But, like, Forward Unto Dawn was not was not great. So, um, Forward Unto Dawn, I like. It's because it's more Halo, right? It's not, I, don't, I wouldn't it nominate it for Halo. an Oscar, you know? But it's like, oh, there's a story. Like, I've never, again, like, it shows you something. I never really thought of of that, of the of these cadets, you know? And I never thought of being a cadet and seeing Master Chief for the first time. Like, those moments in Forward Unto Dawn, I love that. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's a little slow. And, and to be fair, it was, like, released in chunks. I don't know. Like, it was, but it was more Halo, and and uh, I think I think that as as fans we're more forgiving for that, which also I mean you know it's it's not cool that you're then just like giving us garbage just because <laughs> you know like what's the motivation? Are you just is it a marketing thing? Are you just trying to get more money out of people? Uh, just like just like with you know DLC, you're just gouging your your no, your I fans? don't I don't think that I I think they tried. But, oh, yeah, again, but I mean, I, I, there are different examples. You know, some companies yeah. that's obviously it's just a cash in. But in other times, like I really, I really think that Halo, like they they care about fleshing out that world. Like I think to an extent, I'm I can imagine that there's a team that is dedicated to the story and the lore. You know, that is as important as the group that is doing the multiplayer and the group that is doing the game mechanics and the world building. Like there's this, it's such an important job because it's. It's almost it's bigger, right? Like that part, that component of it is bigger than any of the pieces. They definitely have lore experts. One of them is named Jeff Easterling, who's my buddy, and I'll say I knew him before 
<laughs> before he worked for 343. Shout out to you, Jeff. Love you. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, I think that's one of the things that I really like about the fan fests that are happening. Like Halo Fest had one for its 10th anniversary and you're seeing more and more game related celebrations popping up. And I, I feel like that's such a natural extension. I don't think it technically counts as transmedia because it's like an in-person event, an in-person convention. But I, I feel like that's kind of the, the the next iteration of what we're of what we're seeing when it comes to how either films or games are going to expand their reach. Um, I remember with Halo, there was one, a couple people got. Uh, flown out I think it was Scotland they got flown to Scotland and got to you know basically role play do a LARP as uh, as some Corbulo cadets fighting the Covenant you know like that to me is so um, like that really really pulls you in so all the extra content is great and you know the the film and whatever there's more for you to take in but I think any kind of content that allows you to step into the boots of the the character that you're playing or step into the world that you uh, of these characters you know whether it's star wars or uh, or halo or star trek or whatever it is i think that is what really enhances the experience because it just even more than games it takes you one step closer to being there for it to being as as real as it can be and i mean i i can speak from experience i when i was younger i went to las vegas when they still had the deep space nine um experience i think i don't know if it's still there or not but basically you, can, <laughs> you you go through this um kind of simulated ride and then you're put out on the promenade of of the ds9 station and you walk around and everything looks star trek like and it was it was so cool to feel like you were there like oh that's where odo stood or uh, i know disneyland is totally revamping tomorrowland to be more like star wars land and they're cutting out tom sawyer's island which makes me a little sad and and turning it into like um an island for star wars that's going to be dressed up like i don't know whether it's tatooine or court i think tatooine they might not have said but you know, this idea of immersive experiences. And I think games were kind of the first start. You're going to see VR, but then people are just really, really hungry for it. Think this to be tangible. So I, I think that VR is definitely helping with that, right? The, like there's a X-Wing VR mission in Battlefront right now that it's so cool because you get to walk around an X-Wing and then you get to hop in and, and actually be part of a battle. And actually that one, you're playing a scene right before Rogue One. So that was another Easter egg that I figured out, you know, that I appreciated more when watching Rogue One because I was able to play it beforehand and I did it in VR. And actually, the the Star Trek bridge crew is is so cool because you're actually sitting on the bridge and you're. I want to do that so bad. Oh, it's really cool. <laughs> and you play different positions um, on the crew. It's it feels like you're there and like you're a part of it. But ultimately, that's not you're you're not doing anything that's a part of the story. You're not really part of it. But we do have some examples of that. The Matrix Online did that, where the different factions. The, the creators let the game play out, and depending on how the factions fared, then the story played out differently. And a couple of years ago, now I never played the game or watched a TV series, but there was something called Defiance. And Defiance was a game, and based on the events in the MMO, 
and how the different factions played out. The results were reflected in the actual TV show that was going almost at the same rate. So things that happened a few weeks before in the game influenced what was happening in the story, almost like if this drama was happening within that world. And mm-hmm. things like that are really, I think those are the next level of of, um, of immersion in terms of how you can do the story or be a part of the story, right? Not just because, because yeah, like Disney, the magic of Disney is always jumping into a movie. You know, I remember um, like the Honey, I Shrink the Kids, right? Is one of the ones that oh, I, yeah. I think the most about. It's like, what? Like, I never imagined that I would be able to do anything like what I saw in the in the movie. Like, I've been shrunken down. And that was really cool. But ultimately, it's like, it's still separate from it, you know? And And I think that... I, I I don't disagree that it does add something to it, right? Like obviously those those experiences mean nothing if you haven't um, done the original. But then going back to the original after having had that experience, I do I do agree. There's there's something there. There's something there about community. But is there is there any version of this that you would like to see something where there's more, where there is more interaction or or maybe more influence in in that world. Like I don't I don't I don't necessarily need that. I think it's cool what Defiance did. I thought it was cool what Matrix did, but I I don't necessarily think that I need that. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like second screen experiences when you're watching a TV show. Um a little a little bit like that. I mean I would love to see something like uh the Walking Dead TV show and the Walking Dead video game somehow merge and so you're playing the game along with the show and you and the rest of humanity are all playing together and you hit this decision point and if you hit A then you know this person lives and that person dies just like you do in the game but it would be happening you know on on the TV and I think it's a really interesting idea. I don't know if it would enhance the experience at all. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it would be a very te- interesting technical and artistic challenge, um, but I, I don't know if it would actually enhance the enjoyability of of anything. It definitely doesn't guarantee a better story. Yeah, it doesn't guarantee a better story. And I, again, playing Walking Dead by myself, you know, I get to make my own choices and see how they stack up against other people, which to me is, is the most interesting part of it. Um but yeah, I just I, I like it when everything kind of comes together and just feels real. I, I'm obviously a sucker for IRL physical experiences, and I'll I'll totally own own up to that, even if it doesn't feed back into the the main narrative. Um, so I, yeah, I have no illusions that if I go to Disneyland and visit Star Wars Land, that that's going to somehow impact the next uh, the next video game or the next movie that comes out. But I do think there is something about the the immersiveness of it, and if nothing else, I think it recharges my batteries as a fan um, to to have that kind of kind of contact. Yeah, I think again, like VR is is really what's doing that now for me. Because mm-hmm. oh, I can't tell you how cool Star Trek Bridge Crew is. It is so cool. <laughs> it is so cool. And oh. I, I think that's an important thing to to showcases that it's not necessarily about always about the user or the player getting to determine the outcome you know i would be totally psyched to do star trek bridge crew and play through the wrath of khan even though i know exactly you know how things go and even if i can't determine the outcome just getting to be a part of something that is so iconic and important to me and and maybe that's kind of what we're talking about here is 
you know, ultimately with these fan events, you know, whether they're like Star Wars or Halo or whatever it is, you're really looking at a sense of community and that that primal human drive to be a part of something greater than yourself. And I, I don't think you can really undervalue what that means to a franchise and its ability to diversify across media platforms. Yeah, I mean, uh, having a different version of the experience is it's got. I mean, that's got to fall under transmedia, right? Like the story already played out, but can we do it differently? It's just it's just like a novelization uh, of a movie or a movie made out of a book. They're different versions of the same thing, maybe seen from a different perspective. They're like I, I I like those franchises that tell the same story but from another point of view. And again, with video games, that's the only it's the only format we have to actually do it. And I would love expansions in. Um, and bridge crew that let us play out the different movies. I wish uh, my, I was very disappointed in the first Battlefront because it didn't let me play out the the different events in kind of a story. I mean, the whole story is the whole game. You're actually playing out these different battles from the movies. So in that sense, yes. But there's no there was no story element tying to it. It didn't pretend to be part of the movies, and I kind of wanted a little more of that. And and I I like those experiences. I think that the the maximum um, version of that is something I, I read in Ready Player One. It's a it's a novel, and in it, there's this thing called a flick sync, and it's a brand new type of game where you go in and you you get you get points by redoing the the actual movie. So you're watching a movie, but from first person. You are the main character and you're going through the different scenes. And if you're able to repeat the dialogue and make the movement, the more accurate you are, kind of like Guitar Hero, the more accurate you are, the higher, the, the more points you get. And I've always thought that that was such a cool idea to be able to play through my favorite movies for real. You know, and of course, VR is the closest thing we have to that. But I'm, I'm really hoping that FlickSync's, uh, we get something like FlickSync's very, very soon. I guess the last thing I'll throw out there, uh, going back to the idea of having a direct impact on the film or the game or, or whatever, is there's a, a new streaming platform uh, that's been integrated into the Xbox One called Beam, B-E-A-M. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting or one of the interesting things about Beam is that player or what viewers um, will gain points. I, I don't know what they call them exactly, but they, they gain points by, you know, subscribing and following and watching streamers uh, stream. And then you, they can use those points to directly impact the game the streamer is playing. So for example, if I was playing Halo, if someone got enough points, they could actually impact the the weapon that I got or, you know, what happens on screen. And that, so they are directly... Um, influencing the outcome of or or instances in the game and it's also been used for like a charity events they've had people uh, build uh, the example they showed was build their own pizza and then the pizza was ordered and delivered to the people in the studio and of course it was not since it's the internet it was disgusting it was like anchovies and pineapple and who knows what else was on there because people are utilizing their internet points to influence and make things happen in the real space in the in the physical world and i think it's a really interesting idea i've watched a little bit of it happen but i as a streamer 
I'm not really interested in that. Like I, I want I want that dialogue with my players. I like to interact with them. And the latency on Beam is way, way better. It's like a, not even a full second. Um, so you can have conversations a, a lot easier. But I don't I don't know. I, I'm s- I haven't tried it having people actually interact with my game as opposed to just talking with me. So it might be one of these things that I just, I need to try it out first before I say much more, but it's, it's an interesting concept. I mean, imagine if you applied it to like the next star Wars movie where people in the audience can mash a button a certain number amount of times to make something happen. Yeah. Full disclosure, Kelly uh, bleeds green. And oh, Yeah. We and, have an entire episode about that. Yeah, yeah. And and Beam is owned by Microsoft now. But it's really promising. Last year it won the one of the TechCrunch Disrupt uh, competitions um, as a as a startup. And you know, it is that promise of more interaction, more engagement by the viewer of the stream with an actual game. And games have to support it and, and all this stuff and you have to activate it and and I, I, I'm, re- I'm following that really, really closely because I'm so curious to see how much, you know, that is like, okay, somebody made a company after they saw Twitch Plays Pokemon. You know, that's, that's what I thought when it first came out. And, and do people want that type of interaction? Do people want to be invested or, or be a part of the story in that way? I, I don't want to be, right? Especially not in, the term, in terms of a story, um, the idea of watching a streamer and playing a game and, and messing with the world just to create different scenarios is kind of cool, you know. It's like, well, you know, we're gonna or we're gonna raise the difficulty, or we're gonna add more of this or more of that, or we're gonna, you know, change the weather. That's kind of cool. But in terms of story, I don't, I'm, I, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't, I'm not too interested in that. It reminds me a lot of there was a movie that came out, I think, sometime last year. And I, I don't remember the name of it because I just didn't care about the movie and it didn't look very good. But it was about the idea that the players are in control of the human character. And it was this girl and she met up with a guy and they had to like basically do pranks because the people who were working behind the scenes were upvoting certain things. And so they had to do whatever was voted on and uh, it was kind of dystopian-esque, very Black Mirror-esque actually. Uh, but that's what it kind of reminds me of is being at the whim of your viewers does not, maybe I'm jaded, but that does not sound like a good time to me. Yeah, no, there's, I think there was a movie called Gamer with Gerard Butler. I don't know if that's the same one you're talking about. Very similar. Like this person is controlling the, the, this guy, like if he was a game, I don't know. I yeah, don't like I've it. seen that one. It, it wasn't that it, um, cause that one's a, a little bit older. This one was like a, a young blonde girl and the dude and I don't know hopefully one of our player or one of our players oh my goodness one of our listeners can uh can help me out. I'll do some IMDB research too but yeah again and it might be because I'm a content producer sometimes and yeah that just doesn't that does not sound like something I want not interested but are you interested do you want to have uh more transmedia experiences more interaction more actual um, influence into what's happening in the story, or do you, or are you more like me, and you just want to, you know, have more story, more Star Wars in every medium possible, in every way, shape, or form, every nook and cranny. I want, I want more story. I just, I just see a little cat emoji of Josue going more Star Wars. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm like that with everything I like. <laughs> like I said, wow. I did buy the sequel comic to Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's it for us this week. You can find more headshots at headshotspodcast.com, at headshotscast on Twitter. We are part of the Geek Therapy Network of Podcasts. We have six shows now. If you're interested in mental health, psychology, and geeky stuff, check out geektherapy.com for more about all of those shows. And we'll be back in two weeks.